This is Help Wanted, the show that makes your work work for you. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm money expert Nicole Lappin. On Tuesdays, Jason and I answer the helpline and help callers solve their work problems. And on Thursdays, I give you one way to improve your work and build a career or company you love. And it starts now. Hi, I'm Amy. I would love to know, especially from Jason's perspective and Nicole as well, for someone who is interested and has always explored a career within journalism and storytelling and is still doing that, how can I go about that in this day and age where journalism is a bit unstable and risky? And I just feel like I'd love to be in an environment where that's not the case. And then if I am in a role that's maybe not specifically journalism, how can you maybe incorporate some of those factors either within two-year-old or maybe something on the side? Hello, Amy. Thanks for joining Help Wanted. Thanks for having me. I'm a listener and really excited to be here. We are very excited to have you. So your question is a great one. Obviously, Nicole and I both have journalism backgrounds, but it is relevant to people far, far outside of journalism too, because really what your question is, is I have an interest in a particular kind of work and I am not exactly sure how to find a stable career in that work. And whether it's the incredibly shaky foundations of journalism or the questionable foundations of anything else, this is a path that many people follow. So we're going to talk with both of these things in mind. Let's talk specifically about writing and journalism, but also more broadly, how to just find your place in the world. And I'll start with this question. I'm sure Nicole also has plenty of follow-ups. She doesn't want my advice, though. <laughs> she mostly wants your <laughs> advice, Jane. No, no but Nicole, my advice is... The... I absolutely want your advice. <laughs> She's just razzing you for the way that you said it at the beginning. It's totally fine. So, Amy, describe to me what you want to do but without using the words journalism or media, which is to say, like, can you describe the thing that is drawing you to this kind of work, but outside of the context of the specific industry? Yeah, I have a bit of a writing background, and I have always loved the aspect of storytelling. And I think that at the core, I hope I'm answering your question properly. Storytelling, I think, always has a place in any role and in career forever. I don't think that's going away. And mm -hmm. I think that there's an emotional aspect that comes with that, that everyone will relate to whether or not they're in any kind of career. And I think it's valuable to be able to intertwine that into any role. You know, what's interesting is you said storytelling. My boyfriend and I were recently talking about traits that make people successful in all industries. And we actually decided it was storytelling. And okay. he's an entrepreneur and he's in tech and pitching investors is about telling a story. So I think storytelling is part of why I went into journalism to begin with. If you would have asked me this question 20 years ago when I was getting my journalism degree, that and 350 will get me a cup of coffee at this point. I would have said I wanted to write the first draft of history. It was very like old school Edward R. Murrow-esque. And so I stuck to that mission and it changed. It changed what kind of book I was writing. I started writing an economics book, like the first draft of Wall Street. And so I continued in a way that I didn't expect, but it stayed true to the core of the mission. And I became a writer, just not the kind I expected. 
And so I think Jason's point is really, really important. And storytelling is something that I think is at the crux of successful people in all industries. I agree, which is what I really am holding on to. I just think that, you know, when someone first thinks about a career in storytelling, journalism might be what comes up, but that's not always the only choice. And it's not even the best choice, maybe even these days. So for me and for anyone else, what else can you take advantage of to have that be part of your career? I think it's about thinking of your career as a Venn diagram. The two circles, one, what you want to do, and the other, the opportunities you have. And you have to shade in that overlap. What I did when I wanted to be in journalism and write the first draft of history and give a voice to people who were voiceless and all of these things and wanted to write, I had opportunities in finance. So like I smushed that together because those were the opportunities that came my way. And so I created my dream job, just not the job I expected it to be. Like, I wanted to be Christian Amanpour and go to the war or like be a White House correspondent and all these things. But for whatever reason at the time, I didn't have those opportunities. But finance was calling and the financial crisis happened during that time. And so I had to react to the opportunities that were available to me. I really like what Nicole's done here because she's broken apart opportunities into different component parts, right? There's the thing that you're interested in and good at. There's the thing that the market desires or rewards. And it's important to remember that you don't have to find that balance or find both of those things all at once. What you can instead do is start with an idea of the kind of skills that you want to develop and find any opportunity to develop those skills, even if it's not the most rewarding or it's not exactly the thing that you wanted to do. Again, Nicole and I did that in that we both started with these ideas of journalism, but we both started in these very tiny markets doing like very small scale work, which was not what either of us wanted to do, but it was part practical reality. Those were the opportunities available. But also, I remember thinking about it for me as a choice, forced choice, because it's not like I was turning down opportunities to work for the New York Times, but it was a choice for me to focus on skill set building. You know, I was thinking of myself as I know, generally speaking, what I want to do. I also know I am not an expert at it yet. So the thing that I have to optimize for right now is actually just getting good at the skill. And once I get good at the skill, further opportunities to do more with that skill will reveal themselves. And Amy, I feel like if you're trying to find your way into a particular industry and you're able to back up as you have and identify the core skill that is really drawing you to it, then I think the next step really is just committing yourself to any opportunity to explore that, to be better at it, to find the nuance in it. Because you're drawn to storytelling, but I will tell you, once you get more into storytelling, what you'll discover is that there's a million kinds of storytelling and there's a million kinds of audiences. And some of them will be more appealing than others. And some of them you'll find a natural inclination towards. And that kind of nuance will only reveal itself once you start to do that work. And so at the beginning, I would say the most important thing is to just do the work whether or not, frankly, you get paid for it. Well, I was going to say, I'm actually already there. Ah. So 
background is that I was part of a layoff in May. And this is actually my second layoff in three years. So the first one was during COVID. So it's a little bit expected at that point. Were the jobs that you were working that you got laid off at storytelling oriented? Or is this a kind of career shift that you're asking us about? They were marketing. But in theory, yes. But the day-to-day work was not as creative as I would like. And I've done a lot of writing and I kind of have always had that itch for at least the last few years. Like, you know, I'm really not doing anything creative in my mind on the day-to-day. I would love to get back to that. And I just see being laid off as the universe's push to figure out something better for yourself. That's why I'm like, oh, let's go into journalism because that's stable. Like, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) because I don't want to be laid off again. So, you know, with my time, I started writing freelance for like a local magazine. And they were like, well, we can pay you $50 for an article. I'm like, well, clearly I'm not going to make a living off of this, but I'm not doing anything else right now. So I may as well do it for a bit and get some portfolio work. But just as the last few months, I've actually gotten more opportunities and I'm starting to find a little bit of a path towards profitability in this sector. So I don't necessarily think I need to like write my first piece ever and figure out how to get into the industry. It's more like, how do I take the skills that I have and find niches that actually can give me a living wage? Do you think you are good at storytelling? I think so. I mean, you can always improve and it depends on the audience. But I mean, yeah, I do think so. Can you tell me a story? Gosh, I can tell you a story about today. Just this is like stressing me out. So. I live in Vegas. I have a great friend who owns a co-working space. It's a local mom and pop brand. She's a female entrepreneur. I've known her for years. She said, you're not working. Come help me at the co-working space. At the very least, just help me answer the door when the mail comes because I can't be there every day. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm working for a small company, a female owned company. This is something that aligns with me. There's businesses that also work out of her space and you never know what networking opportunities. So I'm like, This is going to be a great opportunity no matter what. So part of my role here is meeting other businesses, helping to promote on social media, telling their stories. And part of my role is when someone rings the doorbell, you have to answer it. If someone wants to come in for a tour, you have to show them because they may want to rent an office. These are all wonderful things. The problem comes when I am trying to also do other things, which the owner, my friend, knows that I have to do, but it's like a balance. So this morning, I get like 15 meeting invites. Normally, there's nothing that goes on. And now five different people have asked me for a meeting invite this morning. I had a tour that came at 11. And I was like, you cannot show up at 1115 because I have to go on this podcast. And then a friend of mine is like, oh, I'll just sit at the front. It's fine. Like if the doorbell rings, no problem. So we get on. We have all these technology issues, but we get there. Then... I think this is recorded, but someone just called me three times in a row, which I don't know if that's going to show up on your Zoom, but that's not going to be ideal if it does. So anyways, at the end of the day, I'm sure this is all going to work out. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Even with the technology that didn't work, that was kind of embarrassing. Someone called me and it showed up on my screen. I don't know if that's recorded on Zoom. The doorbell did ring. Someone else is handling it. Someone texted me, please turn off your Bluetooth because everyone can hear me apparently. This is just life. And that's how it goes. I don't know if that was a good story, but. um... (laughs) So I found it a little bit hard to follow that story, but I asked you that 
just so I could understand what kind of storytelling you like to do, because there's all sorts of storytelling. It sounds like you have mostly focused on writing, but there's verbal storytelling, which comes into play in all industries, whether you're an entrepreneur pitching, as I mentioned before, or if you're a doctor, right? The skill sets of doctors, hopefully they all went to medical school, but you care about bedside manner. That's storytelling. There's all sorts of industries that incorporate verbal storytelling. I was curious if that was the storytelling you wanted to do and how you felt you did around that and listen back to it and maybe see if that was a story that you could follow or if there are areas that you could improve in doing that. I'm absolutely sure there are many areas. I think partly it was a little bit of a product of, oh no, I suddenly have to tell a story and I'm not sure which one to tell. And that one just kind of popped off out of my head. If I were just going to be completely honest about the stories I like to tell, I love to tell the stories about people's lives. I love to hear about the trials and tribulations and the ways that they overcame adversity or something that everyone can relate to, no matter if you're telling the story of someone super famous or a regular person. Everyone can relate and typically find something of value from their story because we all live the same lives and have the same things that come up on a daily basis. Amy, I'm going to digest a few things that have happened here. If I was in your position on this call and Nicole had just said, oh, you like storytelling? Tell me a story, which is, Nicole, kind of a mobster thing to do. (laughs) I'm so savage. But you know what? Like, I think that these things do come up a lot and it followed the idea of using opportunities you had. Like if you were here and you looked at this as a different opportunity, maybe you want a podcast. I don't know. Like I have been put on the spot a lot and it was admittedly pretty savage of me to do, but it just sort of illustrated that you never know when opportunities are going to happen. But I will say, I thought that what Amy did was interesting because all storytelling is about delivery to audience. And our audience right now or your audience right now, is us. It's me and Nicole. And the purpose of this audience right now is to help you. That's the reason that you are on this podcast. And the thing that you did is you told this narrative that explained you in this moment. If you want to go into a situation where you can find a solution, then the greatest thing that you can do is take everything that you have and plop it down on a table and just be like, this is what I'm dealing with. And because then we can take a look at it. And that's kind of what you did. It wasn't like a perfectly crafted narrative or something, but like, that's okay. What you did is you said, hi, I'm Amy. I've come here with this question about storytelling. And a thing that you just learned about me prior to you asking me about a story is that I've been laid off twice and that I was in marketing and I'm trying to figure something else out. And now what's the next thing that you need to understand about me? Well, it's this right now. This call is actually pretty representative of the problem that I have, which is that I'm looking for my next thing. Where I am right now is in this place that fulfills some of the things that I like. But also, it's not very optimal. There are all these things that are demanded of me, and these aren't exactly the things that I wake up every morning being excited about doing. And so I'm torn in a lot of different directions. And even when I have an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation like this, I got like 4 million things that are buzzing and pinging me, and that sucks. And that's the story that you told us, and that's quite fine. Thank you for understanding. 
No, you did great. You understood the audience. You're here for advice. You're here for help. But I wanted to press you on, you said, I want to tell stories for whatever medium is appropriate. Well, let's dig into what medium you're talking about. Is it written? Is it audio? Is it video? I think the more we can hone that, the more we can help. Yeah. Written is just what first comes to mind. But one thing I've been thinking about recently is one can say, oh, journalism is dead. It's going away. No jobs. Not stable. However, I actually see podcasts as a complete involvement of how journalism is going because everyone listens to them. They're super popular. And the way they make money is by running ads, which is how print magazines made money by running ads. So it's literally taking, it seems like, the same exact career and medium just moving into a different place. Yeah. So how are you liking this experience? Well, today it's been kind of stressful, but I think that like... (laughs) But now perhaps podcasting is on the menu. Yeah, I think it is. That's one area like I can write and I can say, hey, here's my portfolio. Would you like me to write for you? But I don't have any podcasting experience, so I wouldn't know where to start or how to get in there. Something that has really shocked me as I think back on my career trajectory. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. 
linkedin.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Something that has really shocked me as I think back on my career trajectory is that I started, Amy, where you were. I thought of myself purely as a writer and, you know, curious about other things, but writing was the thing that I knew how to do. And therefore, I was either a little dismissive of other opportunities, which I'm not hearing dismissiveness from you, but I'm just telling you from me. Yeah. Or when I was in other environments, I didn't think of them as moments to rise up and try to shine. Occasionally, somebody would put me on TV and I would suck and I'd think, oh, that's fine because like, I'm not a TV person. And companies, working with companies, never on the table. I was like, screw that. That's selling out or whatever yeah, the hell stupid same. thing. And what I discovered was that by drilling down into skill set and focusing on the art of storytelling and writing allowed me to start to expand outward and see how, oh, wait a second, doing something verbally is not that different than writing. Because it's really about the structure and the delivery and the beats of storytelling. And once you learn that in one medium, they kind of start to transport into others. And eventually, I grew it to the point where I was walking into corporate environments where I'll stand on stage in front of a group of 700 salespeople and give them information that will help them be better at sales, which... Back at the beginning of my career, if somebody said, do you want to stand on a stage and talk to salespeople? I would have said, no, that sounds awful. It doesn't sound creative. It sounds soul draining. It's so corporate. But now what I've discovered is that once I developed a voice and a perspective because I focused on the skill set of it, I was able to walk into any environment, including ones that would have been incredibly foreign to me, like talking on stage in front of a bunch of salespeople and bring to them my version of this, where I'm in control and I'm drawing from the things that excite me, which is the creativity of it, which is the communication of it, which is finding ideas inside of people and experiences and then translating them into usefulness to others. It's sort of a thing that I'm doing on the fly now, hopefully with some degree of success. And that is exciting. And now I like to do that stuff. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I'm thinking about where you're coming from, marketing, which you didn't find fulfilling. And I totally understand why you don't. But I wouldn't be surprised if you commit yourself to another skill and you find where you are in it and you find your voice in it. And then at some point, you could loop right back around to marketing. But now you're coming in with a particular voice and a perspective, and you know why you're summoning it, and other people are drawn to it, and it's a completely different experience. It is totally transformative once you master something, because then you're not fitting into someone else's definition of how to operate it, but you're now doing it for yourself. So I think back to now what we were talking about with this idea that Nicole has put forth of like, well, how do you want to do it? And where is the opportunity? And I think the answer is that the opportunity is at once for you everywhere and nowhere. And the thing that you are going to need to do, and like I said at the beginning, this is universalized. The thing that anybody trying to find their way in any industry needs to do is to start with the elemental part of it, the thing that enables you to do the work. You find your place inside of it. You find 
what about it excites you and what about you can be committed to it? And you build on that. And once you find it, it kind of, in a way, opens every door. Let's understand what your preference would be. Would it be storytelling in different verticals and finding a niche across different industries? Like I mentioned, you know, you can be a storyteller within bigger companies, in medicine, in tech, in investing in all of the other places? Or are you interested in different types of storytelling within different mediums, audio, video, written, social, all of the rest of it? Well, I would say both. I think that the first part of what you said, if I'm understanding correctly, is the type and what I would tell stories about. And then if I'm understanding the second part is the medium I would use to tell those stories. I think maybe a better way to say it is would a role within a medical devices company that would be creating content for that company be interesting to you? Because you're doing storytelling, but you're doing it within a niche. Or would you want to be more focused on a content company such as an ad agency or a marketing agency or something in that space and being kind of a jack of all content trades across different mediums? Probably the former, because my experience is that I like working in-house versus working for an agency. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I would maybe work for just one company. Maybe I could have several as clients. Maybe it's not full-time in-house with a company, but it's me having my own firm agency where I work with several clients on different content marketing for their companies. Well, what is more interesting to you right now? Right now, it's my own because I don't like the idea of going back into a company where they hold all of my income and then I get laid off. (laughs) So you want to start a business, but you said that you like the stability of being within a company. So I'm trying to figure out like... It's not... I don't think that being within a company is stable in my experience. I think that there's aspects to both that are positive and negative. My latest thinking is that if you have your own company and you work with several clients, if you lose one client, at least it's not all of your income and you have other clients that you can work with. When you're with one company, unless you have a million side hustles, which I do have side hustles as well, you lose your job and then 90% of your income is gone. I mean, if I'm hearing you right, number one, you're looking to distribute risk. Which is what anyone does. It's what anyone does in theory, but a lot of people just get a job at a company, work that job, and if that job disappears, then they're starting from scratch. Another way to think about it, which is the model that I'm currently operating on, is that I have a job, right? I'm a W-2 employee of Entrepreneur Media. But I also do all these other things on the side, including the thing that I'm doing with you right now. And that is in part because it gives me a feeling of control, because it creates all these different paths and fallback plans and additional revenue streams. And that excites me because it makes me feel like if my job disappears tomorrow, I mean, that sucks. That's like a revenue I have to account for, but it's not starting from scratch. I feel like you're grappling with a little bit of that. I I, want to propose something to you, which is a few minutes ago, you were telling us about opportunities that you have, writing opportunities. 
but they're bittersweet. It's probably not the right word, but you know, somebody is inviting you to write for a publication, which is great, but they're going to pay you $50, which is not great. And so it's like, oh, well, this maybe is not the right path, even because even though the writing would be satisfying, the money is not. There's always another way to look at these kinds of things. And this is why, again, I think it's really important that Nicole started this conversation off by picking apart what an opportunity is. It's a collection of different things. And if I were to think about writing for a magazine for $50, which frankly is like the going rate for a lot of things right now, because publications just don't have a lot of money. There are two ways to look at that. Way number one is, well, that's a crappy path because it doesn't pay any money. Way number two is, well, what else is that for? What else is that good for? What else is writing for that magazine for? Because it could be for a couple things. Number one, it maybe gives you access to good editors who help you refine your craft. And the toll you're paying for that is that you are going to get paid crap for a while while you do it. Another thing is that even though you know that this was a crappy paying opportunity, not everyone else knows that. And there's a whole lot that you can do with that because now that you're writing for this one publication, maybe somebody else will pay you because they see that you're more in demand. Another way to think about it is, I don't know if you know this, but even a national magazine like Entrepreneur, we pay these photographers to photograph celebrities or to photograph whatever. And we don't pay them very much. I mean, we pay them more than $50, but we don't pay them tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know why somebody flies across the country for a couple grand to photograph a cover of a magazine? Because they have an entrepreneur on their resume. And it's a huge name to be able to get other opportunities. That's part of it. I'll be more specific. Because brands who pay them a lot of money see working for consumer magazines as a real validator. Pepsi will pay you a lot of money because you did work for Esquire magazine, even though that didn't pay you money. There's a perception thing to be had here. And so sometimes if you just learn enough about how the mechanics of any industry work, you can discover that your efforts sometimes have benefits that are a little sideways or a little lateral. And in this case, as you're trying to figure out what kind of storytelling you want to do. And I love that Nicole is pushing you to think both broader and also more specifically about the kind of storytelling that you want to do, that you realize that just doing anything will reveal new opportunities to you. And as long as you understand the purpose of the thing that you're doing, then you're not wasting your time. Even if you're getting paid $50, which sucks, you're creating opportunity. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. So I agree. I would love to try to just hone that exercise, like the Venn diagram exercise, because I think we kind of understand what you want to do. Do you have opportunities? And then I'd love to do another quick exercise where we kind of look at a mission statement, Goldilocks style, because I think generally, if you say, I want to be in marketing, it's too broad. If you want to say like, I want to be the director of communications at L'Oreal in Paris, too specific. And I think that there's a middle ground. And I'd love to just work on that with you. So first, the other side of the Venn diagram, are there opportunities that you currently have? 
Yes. So being that I'm working in a co-working space where many other small businesses work from day to day and being that I see them every day and I've happened to know them just because it's a small town and I've known them anyway, there is an opportunity that has come up that I've been so grateful for. It pays very well and it involves writing. There is an academic college prep and academic tutoring company within this co-working space. And it's another female-owned business. She's lovely and a friend of mine. She has like the market share over all of the fancy private schools. She's got 60 students whose parents pay top dollar for them to come in and have her and her staff help them write their college essays and get into top tier colleges. And she's got all of them. So when we were talking, she was like, wait, you're a writer too? Because again, a lot of my roles didn't focus on writing. So people didn't necessarily think or know immediately that I had those skills. She said, I'm overwhelmed with students right now, and I could use some overflow help with some students who need help getting their college essays polished and in order to apply because it's prime time of application season. And I said, yeah. And I wasn't even thinking, like, what's your budget? But, I mean, it pays pretty well because these parents pay top dollar. So it's not a $50 assignment. It's like a living wage. So I've been doing that part-time, you know, it's probably about maybe five to 10 hours a week right now. And it's going to slow down after the application season is over, but it's not exactly, but it's definitely pretty close or at least a side thing I'd love to continue doing. And what are the other side things that you're doing right now? So there's still the publication that pays $50. It's a local magazine writing about local businesses. It's very ad focused. So it's not exactly unbiased all the profiles that we write are because people are advertisers so i'm given a profile on a local interior designer who paid to have this profile written on her and why is she a great option for people who are looking for interior design in this city there's also a marketing agency that works within this co-working space and they have just said oh you know we might want to start some email marketing for our clients could we talk to you can i see your profile that's another potential opportunity that has come across and then working for the actual co-working space itself. It's not so much writing, but that's a little bit different marketing. Sounds like this is a networking space. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's been great just to have this natural networking. So then I'd love to just hone in on what you would want to do in a sentence. I'm a little worried the sentence is going to be too specific, but I'm just going to say it. I want to be a ghostwriter for prominent business executives, CEOs, and other people who have a large audience and help them to put their story into words on paper, through audio, through video, so that they can convey a message. Huh. That might be too specific, but that's where I'm going. I mean, it's very specific and more specific than we started yeah. at the beginning. Where I was you're like, like, why did we start here? Well, because I, wasn't I didn't know when to like, throw that in there. You know, I, I just... I'm not gung-ho and that is what I have to do, but it's a big area that I'm looking at and I'm seeing opportunities in. I actually think that that's a pretty good mission statement. I want to be a ghostwriter for executives at companies to get their message out. Can I propose a slight modification of it, which is that you could take the executives at companies part out because you also sounded excited about the college yeah, stuff, which is also a form of exactly. ghostwriting. Like, sounds like what excites you is I like using a storytelling skill to help others tell their best story. I agree. Yeah. So then I'd love for you to start thinking of like, okay, whoever's in the co-working space, let's say the college essay company, the CEO of that, could you go to her and propose writing essays for her, writing 
video content for her? Yeah, I did. And I even said to her, I'm like, do you want to expand your company outside of Vegas? Because you could start a podcast and I'm sure you have plenty of content to talk about. And then maybe you could do Zoom sessions with kids who don't even live here. So yes, 100%. It's more just like, how do I convince someone to spend the money on that? Well, what if you gave like a little sample, like a free sample? What if you wrote her an essay that you could put out into a publication? That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to start charging people for things, you just need to know two things. You need to know what to charge them. A good way of figuring that out is just look at the marketplace and see what people charge for these kinds of things. And then you just need to answer the question of why they should pay you. And a lot of that comes down to there's a trust gap, why you, or maybe it's a service that they hadn't thought that they needed, so you need to show them the value of it or whatever. But Doing a freebie, as Nicole suggested, is a great way to answer some of those questions. Because if you do one of them and they like it, now why you has been answered. And also, if it gets published and there's a good result, then why they should pay for this is also answered. So that's wonderful. Her name is Rebecca. She's the owner of the college prep company. She would totally do it with me. It's more like having her be like, should I spend the money on this or something else? But then the owner of the co-working space itself, who I am working for, because I'm helping her with some marketing, but also just being here to like answer the door and whatnot. I think that there could be a definite case for her to be seen as a thought leader within this industry and within this town. She owns this company. She has a voice and has an opinion. I would love to convince her that I could do this for her as part of my services that I'm already, you know, to extension of my services. It's harder to convince someone of something that's a longer term ROI. She's like, I just need to get these offices filled. Like, I need you to do whatever you can do to get these offices filled. And I don't see myself writing articles as something that can help that right now. It's not that she doesn't see the value, but she wants me to first really focus on the interim short term problem. And that's why it's harder to convince people to spend money on something that is a little bit of a longer term investment. Maybe, but the way you're pitching it to her is really casually. If I were you, I would come up with a one sheet. I would say who you are, all the dope publications you've been in as a source of credibility. Then I would come up with like a little rate sheet. And you got to start somewhere. And I've come up with many rate sheets in my life. And they've all changed and been edited many, many times. But you got to start somewhere and say like, then I would come up with a, hey, I can write an article for you. It's $100. And I could help pitch it to XYZ. And that would be an additional $50. I could write a podcast episode for you. So you're giving her a very tangible proposal. As a business owner myself, yeah, I don't have time to do a lot of things because I'm putting out fires all day long. But if somebody says, here are the things I can do to make your life easier, here is exactly how much you should budget and here's what that costs, then like, I'd be down. Amy, something just occurred to me. I'm excited. As Nicole was answering how you can make this sale. The thing that you did not do in this instance that you now can do better after following Nicole's advice is also the thing that you did not exactly do in this podcast episode with us, even though we got there, which is succinctly tell your story. You are entering a world of storytelling. That is the thing that you are excited about. You have created this mission to tell other people's stories. And that's wonderful. That is a great clarity of purpose. But do not forget to tell your story. 
Because that's the thing that actually, I think, above all, you need to work on. You know how to tell other people's stories. You're doing it. You've already done it, right? Each time we suggested something to you, you were like, oh, yeah, I already do that, right? The problem is that you need to tell your story better. From the very beginning, you could have framed your expertise to us. And I think that sometimes you're talking to clients and you're also not presenting your story to them well enough so that they see the value and they see the thing that you're pitching and they see exactly why they should buy it. The most frustrating thing in the world to literally everybody is that you can look around and find all these people who are not as good at you at the skill that you have, but are making more money at it or more successful at it. And oftentimes the reason for that is because those people are just better at selling themselves than you are. And that is true for me when I look around at people who I think are not as good at the thing that I do, but are more successful or make more money at it. It's because they're better at selling because they're better at telling their story. Never, never, never discount that. So the thing I want you to take home and the thing I want everyone to take home for whatever it is that you're doing, even if you're not in the business of storytelling, is like the one story you need to tell more than anybody else's is your own. And once you do that, every other opportunity opens. He's very wise. I'm excited that we got there. Yeah, I think that to wrap it up, I would, if I were you, come up with that rate sheet, come up with, you know, your experience. Now you've been on an amazing podcast. You can list that there. And then I'd walk up and down these halls of this amazing networking, co-working space you're in and pitch your services. Can I tell you a story? Please do. There was once a girl named Amy. (laughs) She came on a show about career advice. She loved telling other people's stories, but she couldn't tell her own story. So at the end of the show, Amy looked in the mirror and was able to finally tell the most important story of them all. The end. Wow, I almost have tears. It's wonderful. Now that's good storytelling. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 